It wasn't 11 days that had to be readjusted. It was 11 days and one hour. Listen, Billy Canetta, the Pope wasn't infallible. That hour slipped free to bounce through eternity. A very special hour. An hour that must never be used. An hour that must never toll. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week about a teacher's aid and how uh, fun but weird that one was. Um, but yeah, uh, we're on to something else now. Welcome to Strange Highways. This is uh, the show that watches The Twilight Zone. I should say we watch it, The Twilight Zone. The show is us talking about it. Um, off to a great start. We've been watching it, uh, you know, uh, chronologically covered the original series, all five seasons of that, then covered the Jordan Peele uh, Paramount Plus seasons. And now we're into the 80s series of the Twilight Zone and we're into the second part. So it's a uh, season one, uh, episode seven, segment B, Paladin of the Lost Hour. So before I get into that, though, I do want to mention one thing. Um, so, uh, you know, normally right off the bat, I don't go mentioning other podcasts because thank you guys for listening to this one. But um, one of the podcasts I listen to a lot, um, that isn't my voice in my own ears is a podcast called behind the bastards. It's available. Just, you can search it find us on iHeartRadio. It's all over the place. Um, it is, it's more a history based, but it's a guy named Robert Evans who wrote for crack.com and he's an amazing, um, war journalist, but he will deep dive into some terrible things that happen and usually have a comedian on to talk about it. So that kind of balances out the, the tone a little bit. He, they just did a two-parter about um, the Twilight Zone, the movie. So I wanted to at least mention, because uh, we we talked about that a little bit, the tragedy of the first segment with John Landison about how uh, he kind of you know found a way to worm his way out of uh, culpability for it. It, it. It's worse than even the cursed film segment on uh, Shudder talked about. And I, I just think it's one of those things that it's, it's like a two-part episode. It's about two hours total. Uh, there's some things in there that I had not heard before in reviewing the tragedy that happened with the film. Uh, if you guys, you know, have, you know, obviously you have a, a passing interest in the twilight zone. I think it's also important to, to hear, you know, to hear the bad as well and to make your own decisions about what occurred. Uh, but yeah, uh, fascinating stuff. So, uh, it was released, um, was it May 19th and 20th? No, sorry, May 17th and 19th, go look behind the bastards. It's just labeled uh, part one and part two of the Twilight Zone, the movie. Fascinating listening. And as much information is out there and a lot of podcasts and, uh, you know, countless discussions have had had been done about that tragedy. 
we didn't focus so much on that in our discussion. It was hard to not talk about it because yeah. one, the very first segment dealt with that. And then two, it, you know, it overshadowed everything. Right. Right. So, but, but yeah, there, there's plenty in there to, to really dig into and unpack. And I would say, you know, like for me personally, like a lot of podcasts I do listen to, I like, I like having something to kind of chew on. Like what, you know, something like we have our fun here and I'm, thank you guys for listening. And, but I think we do dig in, in terms of the twilight zone, we dig in and get a little, like a little, like a little bit more under the hood than just being like, we liked it. We didn't like it. Right. So I do sometimes prefer other content that I have to kind of focus on and kind of chew on. And this is the kind of stuff that I do dig. So since I um, appreciate those two episodes, I wanted to make sure that everybody else is aware of it and go check it out. It's, it's a, it's worth your time listening. Yeah, I, I I still haven't had a chance, but I, I I'm I, that's probably going to be the first one I dig into. So yeah, thank you for uh, uh, letting everybody know about that. But um, yeah, so so now after that uh, sad stuff, uh, now we're going to get to uh, uh, Paladin of the Lost Hour. So um, so yeah, uh, this is um, this is the longer of the two segments for episode seven. Uh, it, it does not also it also comes with its own bit of baggage. We'll get into more of that in a little bit. So uh, let's get into who did what here. Okay, so uh, first we have we have two directors credits again here. So probably a second unit guy came in and did whatever. But uh, uh, first credit I wanted to hear uh, to list was Alan Smitty. So have Smitty? you have you ever seen the name Alan Smithy on other projects? I I'm not really all too familiar with the name. So it's it's a placeholder in ah. Hollywood that if somebody is so like or if the powers that be are so disgusted with like. The, what the person did, like in terms of their, their output, it be like, or the person that's associated with it, they don't want their name associated with it. It becomes an Alan Smithy credit. Interesting. Uh, cause I'll even give you an example. Like, um, Oh, what was the, his name? Ty West, when he was trying, when he did uh, cavern fever two, mm-hmm. he didn't want his name. Like he was so pissed at how that, that production went. He wanted to, to, to give it Alan Smithy and they, they, they forced him to put his name on it. No kidding. Yeah. So when you see the name Alan Smithy, know that it's like, um, it's one of those things where it's almost like it's that that closet that you just throw all the junk in. And you're like, well, who's that? Who's the closet? That? That's Alan Smithy's. You're like, oh, that's everybody's junk, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so Alan Smithy, aka in this case Gilbert Cates or Cats, C A T E S. That's the guy who directed it. However, um, the the TV the, the powers that be were so frustrated with his output, they just um, they they gutted a lot of it, and it became an Alan Smithy uh, directed uh, portion. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad that uh, you said that because I don't have to go into Alan Smithy. Because you're going to be like, he has 800 credits and they're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of one of them here. And I'm like, well, I want to know who the hell did this crap. Another Night of the Living Dead. The poster art for this looks terrible. It's got to be like a porno. Or I want to believe that the art was also done by Alan Smithy. Like, oh, I want to yeah. believe that every craft service is Alan Smithy, you know? Like, yeah. Just- it just looks ridiculous yeah, but yeah so I'm glad. That's, that's the that's the whole thing is like when you see the name alan smithy you know you're in for something okay you know? cool well that worked out perfectly then um and so then the actual credit for the person that didn't want to be named to this project uh you know like or uh, or they took they they took it away from him well i'll just say it that way we'll get into that later but yeah gilbert cates or cats c-a-t-e-s however you want to pronounce it yeah so uh yeah the things that i'm you know i have <sighs> I have producer credits. I have director credits. There's 35 director's credits, and I'm not really familiar with any of them. So the big thing for him, one, one was at the time when he came into this, he was like the the um, 
the leader of like the director's guild in Hollywood. Okay. So he it's kind of one of those things that he was leader of the guild. So if he's like, Hey, I want to do this. You couldn't, you couldn't say no because it's like he was kind of in a position of power type of thing. Say so he wanted to come in and do it. However, he's mostly known for producing, um, the Academy Awards from 1990 to 2008 and actually got a lot of awards for producing that. Cause that's, you gotta be, I mean, the, fair is fair. I mean, I don't watch the Academy Awards, but there's a lot of moving parts to make that, that, um, production happen, you know? So, so the guy has, he has some credit, which is due, but I don't know about his actual directing output. Yeah. It, I'm not familiar with any of it. And then, so next year we have our writer's credit. Um, so the short story and the teleplay was done by, Harlan Ellison, which we have discussed a few times prior. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was the what was the first one that we Shattered discussed? Shattered Day. Shattered Day, yeah. And he was also the creative consultant on the series, for, at least for this season. And this will be, this is the second of five segments we'll get from him directly, even though he kind of was always around um, being available. Yeah. So, yeah. So, with that said, um, going to the rest of our cast here, uh, we are led off by uh, Danny Kaye, uh, plays Ja- Jasper? Gasper. Gasper. I, Gasper. Wish, I wish it was Jasper. I wish, like, oh, like, I'm just Jasper. I'm the old man with the watch. My you know? eyes were funky earlier today uh, when I was doing the notes, and I was like, is it Casper? I was like, I, no. I know it's Gaspar, but I like that Gas- his, his name Gas- is Jasper. Gaspar. Yeah, Ga- but yeah. I, I just want to believe that he has, like, that, like, you know, the old miner, like, you know, the pickaxe and maybe, like, the bindle, like, you know, yeah. and, like, the lantern. Gaspar. like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, so yeah, uh, 33 credits. Uh, one of them was white Christmas. I wasn't familiar with the other credits. So it looks like this dude had like a pretty, uh, like extensive career, career outside yeah. of being on the cam, like, uh, you know, in, in the camera view, were you able to find anything? So no? I, mean, I, got, I got a little bit. So like, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, white Christmas, uh, which was in 54. He hosted his own variety show called the Danny K show from 63, 67, uh, it won an Emmy Award and a Peabody Award. Uh, he later guest starred on an episode of The Muppet Show. So I say what you want about this guy. If you're the guy hosting like The Muppet Show, pretty cool. But uh, so uh, with this, like the one thing I'll put in his notes here, because he was just known as like an entertainer and a very like, I guess he didn't know how to read music, but a lot of people said he had like perfect pitch. So like he was able to entertain and sing and perform characters and all that stuff. Like very endearing uh, like actor when he wanted to be. We'll get to more of that later. But I do like here, um, they talk about his early early career. He's like, he, he held a succession of jobs after leaving school uh, as a soda jerk, auto insurance investigator, and office clerk. Most ended with him being fired. He lost the insurance job when he made an error that cost the company $40,000, which adjusted for um, inflation in 2019 is $600,000. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, a dentist hired him uh, to look after his office over lunch and then run errands and fired him when he found Kay using his dental drill on some office woodwork. So I don't know how true those stories are, but they're pretty funny. Um, so this was like, I think his last actual credit, even though he's like given like one other, I think because of the production process, he passed shortly after this, but he had a very, very full body of work and was like, a, like this, he was like the big get for this episode for those that knew. And when I saw him, I'm like, I like, I, I was like, he looks familiar. I like, um, I've never seen white Christmas. I know a lot of people like that movie as, you know, as much as parts of it is not aged well. Uh, but, uh, um, the type of film it is, it's not really my cup of tea. But. Yeah. But like a lot of people do like around the holidays. Like my wife likes it. Like I get it, you know, but it's not my, you're right. It's not my cup of tea either, but I understand why people, you know, enjoy it. Right. You know, uh, even though it's, problematically racist at times but 
you know, it, it was like, what, 54? I, I'm going to guess that was also the theme of that year, problematically racist. Uh, so, but yeah, he was like, I, when I looked at this, I was like, well, I was like, this guy looks like he should have been in the original series at some point, just in terms of like his availability and age. And he wasn't right. Which this seems like the kind of guy that Serling would have like, like would have hired in a heartbeat to do something. His, his voice sounded familiar to me, but I couldn't place him in anything that I had ever seen that had him being like a voice actor or anything. So I don't, I, I I don't know. Maybe so, I, mean, I think it's worth his due. I just I'm not that familiar with his output. Yeah, and we'll get more into his casting later. Again, I I keep teasing some stories, but Harlan Ellison has some very distinct opinions about what happened with this episode. We can do when we get there. Right. So uh, next year uh, we have uh, Glenn Turman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Billy Canetta. Can- yeah, Canetta. Uh, he. I, so I I knew I I recognized this dude right off the bat, but I couldn't place him in what movie, but it was gremlins. I know it's yeah. like, Oh, he's the science teacher. And I, the moment I saw that credit, I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember being a kid and terrified of that moment. Cause it's a really scary moment. It, in that movie. It really is where he's feeding yeah. a candy bar to, yeah, the, to the, the, the gremlin. The, yeah. And he gets, oh, uh, my God. gets, you know, eight, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. he's also in a uh, super eight. Uh, and also John dies at the end. Yeah. I forgot about that, but yeah, I, that, that's a fun movie. Uh, he was also in a different world. He played a main character in that series for a bit. He was in the wire, which I've not, scene but i know i need to get to and then in one of the one of the best episodes of scrubs called my last words where he played a gentleman who like he found out that he pretty much only has like 12 to 15 hours to live and it's this thing that his body is just going to be shutting down like almost him going to sleep but he has nobody so um the two main characters sit with him and just talk and it's a really really good episode that that series had a way of being able to like Make jokes so like make you laugh your done. ass off and make you ball your eyes, and then out. you're like, oh, but I was just laughing. How? Yes, why? <laughs> and that's that's a really good episode. Then also, uh, so according to the trivia here, and I think this is amazing. Uh, Terman uh, auditioned for the role of Han Solo in Star Wars, and he said in an interview that uh, that uh, apparently George Lucas had him in mind for the role, which you know, that's cool. But then he thought there'd be too much controversy at the time having a white Princess Leia and a black Han Solo. So he was on like the short list to be Han Solo. That's and interesting. I, I could kind of like, he kind of has that like, kind of like, you know, I, he has a good, he has a good, um, like, um, presence, you know, Didn't we just, I feel like we just talked about, uh, somebody who was going to possibly be Han Solo. In a I think we rec- talked about some of the people that were casting and they didn't really get that far, but they read for parts. I think if I remember right. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Obviously, if I can't talk about it, then I shouldn't. Well, I mean, it, no, no, no. It's just we we do so much research for these episodes. Sometimes it gets a little blurry, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so then uh, next year uh, we have John Bryant. Uh, he plays Punk Number One, and this was his only credit. So yep, there you go. Okay. And then I have a uh, Corky Ford, which um, Punk Number Two. If that's if that's your name, then you could pay what like fifteen dollars. You can change that. You can change your name. It's fine because you know I don't think. Do you think like if he wasn't being an actor, which he only he was um, also an alligator, which we just talked about Hell I think, yeah, recently. Alligator. So that's great. But it's like if you're <laughs> just came like back around. if you're like, hi, my name's Corky Ford, attorney at law, no one's hiring you. I'm mm. sorry. Um, you know, like just I don't know. I feel bad. Cause I just I think I think the time has passed for like if if that, if this was a character actor in like the sixties, you'd be like, Oh, okay, well that kind of makes sense but i don't know about that now i don't know this is 85 i get it but it's like it makes me wonder why he didn't get too many roles yeah it's uh, not a good name but uh yeah, yeah and he was also in platoon and born on the fourth of july okay well okay he's had a much more established career than me with my regular ass name so 
<laughs> Your regular ass name. Yeah. Jeez. How dare you talk about Corky Ford that way then? Um, but anyway, so we have Mike Reynolds, uh, and this was the last credit I had. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays Driver. Lots of voice work. Yeah, I just yeah. I didn't list all, but the guy has significant amounts of like anime, Robotech, and, yeah. Akira, Power cool, Rangers, cool shit. That, yeah. You know, like that. You know, I was honestly hoping, I was hoping, hoping, hoping I'd go through and see if maybe he was one of the voices in the film Perfect Blue because like that that feels like that time because there's a lot of like. Uh, and that's a film that if people have not seen, search it out. It's amazing. But there's a lot of uh, localization with good uh, voice acting from like the the mid '90s, and I thought, yeah, that sounds like this guy would probably be in that. But I didn't see him in that. So anyway, a lot, yeah, a lot of animation voice work. So uh, I did. You have anybody else that you needed to list there? No, no, no. Like and, and weirdly enough, this is like it's um it short like a, a really limited cast list. Which mm-hmm. considering this is like a long segment. Um, you know, like for, for us behind the scenes, not a bad thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, this is pretty breezy. Oh, this person played tombstone number seven <laughs> in the graveyard. I, oh, it's so-and-so as the watch. You know, it's, you know, whatever. I especially like that the one dude was in just this. And I was like, excellent. Yeah. It's like, you get your due, but then I don't have to go like, extensively. Give, give me credit for the work I do. I just want to do less of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys are all, you guys come prepare. It's like, it's, it's even easier when there's no information available about a person. <laughs> <laughs> we luck out sometimes. Oh, yeah. But then I ended, up, I ended up watching the segment three times once for the first time to watch it. Second to take notes and third to hear the, the uh, commentary track. So I don't know if I lucked out. I don't know if that's really, there's a lot of time spent on uh, this a little bit. Right. So, wow. um, this is a longer segment of the two like in terms of episode seven. I, this isn't, this isn't a ripcord worthy segment, right? Cause when I, when I say that, I mean, just pull the cord. We're out. I just think there's a lot of weird running in place yeah. with a lot of this. So I think there's merit here. I just don't know how far we want to get into certain parts because I feel like there's a lot of, it's weirdly padded and I don't know how to put my finger on it. Right. And I, 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 all right. So let me, let me say this with this type of episode, where do you think that the, the main, like, where do you think the main idea is? Like, do you think it is, we need to go from the beginning or do we just need to hit plot points here? Well, so, okay. Well, first I want to mention that this, that it's weirdly that this segment and the previous segment are connected because of this rampant youth wanting to beat up people. I know that's weird. I was like, I have my notes here. I'm like, do you think those two gang members are part of the furies from the last, uh, right. last segment? Like they're like, Oh shit, we can't go back to school. Cause, uh, Adrian Barbeau is going to kill us. Let's just go run this guy over in a graveyard. <laughs> you know? like, and, and these dudes like perfect time, perfect place. They're at a graveyard that has like only sixteen gravestones in it. It's like, yeah. well, you know, they're- it's 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 like it's like you ever been to a, like a town where it's like the town grew significantly past where the graveyard is. There's a lot in Ohio, actually. yeah, and it's like and you're like, well, wow, that's that's a really tiny plot for stuff. But anyway, yeah, but you could tell this like it, you, sometimes you could tell things are shot on a soundstage. This looked like a soundstage. It really it was did. terrible. But we get we get Gaspar like talking to his late wife, uh, Minnie. Minna, that's her name, Minna, and missing her. And then these two guys are like, we should roll him because he's old. He probably has money. And so they go to attack him. And um, the, the thing is, like, as he's getting, like, attacked, they go to grab the watch. And he keeps, like, crying out, like, protect me, something, something, protect me. And so, like, they're accosting him. And the, the guy grabs the watch. And it, like, you know, it, I think it burns his hand and it like, yeah. starts to float away. It starts to float away. So I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting to some weird stuff already. That's amazing. Yeah. But then also, in the meantime, we have our other main character, 
um, uh, uh, Billy. Yeah. Who sees this because he's three inches away. Yeah, he's nearby at another grave site, uh, like paying his uh, condolences or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and he's like, oh, man, he's like, I'm going to see that guy get beat up, but I'm going to wait until he's beat up. And then <laughs> he him did, over yeah, he, at that point, he had his ass whooped. Yeah. Like, poor that, old dude is just on the ground, probably near death. Yeah, Harlan Ellison actually wrote the story to where it was like a significantly larger area where Billy would look over and mm-hmm. see in the distance going on and run over to help as opposed to, oh, well, that worked out. You like know? almost being hit by one of the swings. Like yeah, this dude is like, really like the, close. Like the watch floats by and smacks him in the head and goes <laughs> over to you know Gaspar. But yeah, so the watch floats back to Gaspar. Uh, Billy doesn't see it, but like because he came over to help the you know the two punks leave, and that the start. So the the two major arcs of this episode are Gaspar and Billy's relationship. Mm-hmm. And then whatever the hell's going on with the watch. And it's and the sprinkling of their their past stories yeah. that have to be told. I I'm not we'll get into that. So yeah. but yeah, so we find out that all right, we get well Gaspar is actually he's all right. He he's he's very grateful for the fact that uh he got saved and he says, look like let's go chew the fat over some tea. Like let's go let's go hang out and they go to his place. They go to Billy's place. Well, because Billy's kind of hesitant, but like I, I will say this too. Um, and you, you said you, um, you grew up with your grandparents, correct? Like, it, was there a certain value of like, no, no, we'll just like let's just talk, let's just hang out for a second? Hell no. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. No, but I'm like, do you understand? Sometimes we get like people like the whole thing of like. You, you find this older person that's maybe a little lonely and all his his friends and family have passed mm. and he just wants to like be treated like a human being. Like, my, my grandparents had friends like that, but yeah. my grandparents were not like fair that. Enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's just, but you can see how like um, sometimes you get tied up in weird conversations at the checkout line. Cause you can just tell somebody like, like for example, like was it um, a week and a half ago or so I went to go to the movies on a Monday and I got the early showing and like there was two older people there waiting to go in and you could, they were just having like the, the biggest conversation. Cause I don't think anybody else has ever talked to them in like five years. Right. And, um, and then like when the one gentleman went to go buy a ticket, he kept talking to the ticket guy forever. And I'm like, I'm sure this guy's like, it's this Monday morning. Can I just get my coffee? If you're going to go, like, if you're going <laughs> like to go, I watch, just got here, man. It's like, just, uh, you know, uh, go watch Dr. Strange. It's fine. Like it's, well, that's why you're here. You know, like well, it's like, it reminds me of the, the one scene in clerks where the dude comes in and he's talking about the weather and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, the one dude's character spits water in his face or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> just yeah. like to diffuse the situation. So, like, I, I, so I, I can, I'm sympathetic to the idea that this person's like, oh, you, you help me. Let's sit down and talk. Let's connect. Like, I can, I can at least, like, that's very human, right? You know. And then Billy's like, I don't know, whatever, sure. And they end up back at Billy's place, right? And that's when some of the story starts unfolding, where um, we start to figure out that Gaspar really doesn't have a place to go, you know, right? And, and he, where, where, why he was there at the graveyard, yeah. And then we get kind of an idea of why Billy was at the graveyard as well, but he doesn't want to talk about it yet. He doesn't want to open up about that part of his life yet. And rightfully so. Some people are very guarded, you know, when you just finally meet them in a graveyard and you save their life. I don't know. I mean, I, there's not too many, I've not had too many uh, meet cutes in graveyards with like, that's not, that's not the right phrase, but you, you know, like, you're not going to the right <laughs> graveyards apparently. Woo, you, know. <laughs> you, you, you gotta go to those funerals and see what's going on. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> You know, you don't forget the wedding crash and it's a yeah, funeral crash. Funeral crash, right? Because yeah. I mean, they probably have like like you like there might be food. 
You know, I'm, I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> and everybody's dressed up. So I mean, you know, and then and if and if everybody's acting kind of weird, I think you could do some day drinking and no one's going to look at you weird, right? I think, you know, like I don't that know, guy's really. Hurt. I have no idea how I backed into saying that you should go hit on people at a funeral during the day and get drunk, but I'm this is where I'm at. I'm okay with it. I accept it. <laughs> um, so that's the reality of that. But anyway, so we find out like <clears throat> Gaspar is kind of like he, as a character, is a proud person. Like he's like talking about like all the books that he had and how Billy has books. And like, he's like, you could tell that he has a sense of like dignity about him. And like, and he starts talking about like, you know, why he was there, which was visiting his wife who Minna who had passed away like 20 years before. And that's when Billy says visiting just a friend. And then Billy's like, you know, I work like second shift at like a grocery store, like a, like, um, like a bodega or something. Right. Right. Like, um, and he's like, I got to go. And he's like, Gaspar's like, well, can I just hang out for a bit? And then <laughs> there's Billy, hesitation there. Billy's like, like, but Gaspar's like, like, what would I steal? Like, I'm not gonna steal anything. And Billy's like, what's the steal? So like, he's like, fine, just close the door all the way out. Right. And then when Billy comes home at like, what, like two in the morning with like groceries, uh, Gaspar is being the loudest jerk in the world at two in the morning. <laughs> uh, like he's made all this food and that's wonderful. Right. Like he's made it very like appreciative the, right? in this efficiency apartment where like probably the walls are paper thin. It's like, shut up. Yeah, old there's dude. Everybody around him is like, what is going on with this guy <laughs> singing and dancing about food? Right. Um, yeah. And so then, um, but then he prepares a Billy a meal and he's like, you know, he's like, Billy's like, this is, looks good. He's like, don't look, just eat, you know, like that's, you know, whatever. And that's when we find out that like Gaspar, doesn't really have a place to go. And I like his statement of like what they would call back in vaudeville days. I'm at Liberty, which I thought was a fun line mm. basically being like, I can go where I want. That doesn't mean I have a place to stay. So Billy's like, okay, just, you know, you can stay like, where I live. That's called homeless. That's- yeah. And so then we also find out that like, um, what was it? Uh, Billy admitted that he went to go visit the grave of somebody that was a rifleman in Vietnam that he knew. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get a little bit of that. And then we also realize that Gaspar doesn't have much time. Like he's, he's dying. Right. So that's a big thing too. And and, and like it's so it's important for him to like at least at this point now you're getting the sense that he needs to pass along some wisdom or at least spend time with somebody so he doesn't feel alone. Yeah, he's like, I appreciate the company. Basically he's like, I know I'm on the way out, but I'd like to have somebody to spend some time with. And because the whole yeah, so that's when also there later on he's like, Can we watch the TV? Like two or three in the morning. I'm like, weird. Um he turns it on. Um, and it's the news and it's talking about like this big, like, uh, escalation in the cold, cold war, war yeah. right. Which I mean, big theme in the twilight zone at this time, we already talked about like, an, uh, was, it, um, some peace and quiet. We see some of this already kind of escalation and we it also, really hasn't changed from the sixties, yeah, well, you, you know, know like yeah, the sixties, eighties today, you know, whatever. Right. But then like, you know, Billy's like, I, you know what? I can't handle that. And then that's whenever Gaspar brings up the watch and he was like, don't worry, it's 11 o'clock. And he's like, no, it's not. It's like four in the morning, you idiot. You know? And he's like, no, 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 it's 11 o'clock. Meaning like, I'm telling you something, but I'm not going to tell you everything because I'm an asshole. I don't know. Like, see, at this weird. point now, I didn't know if it was just like, I was curious about in the fact that it's like he did that specifically to say that it's not even close to midnight, meaning like, you know, how we always gauge like what the war you're, you're, you're talking about the the um, the doomsday clock. Correct. But like, you know, like like, like I thought you, maybe that had something to do with that, which you would think that if they would have drawn some attention to that, where it's like, are we like three minutes to midnight or whatever? Right. Mm. It's kind of what they're alluding to, um, but it doesn't really show it but he's like basically don't worry it's 11 o'clock 
and that pays off later, right? Whatever. But then, so then we get this like odd couple thing of them going out to go to the movies or whatever. And did you like how, uh, uh, Gaspar was shitting on Karen black for a second? Did you like, yeah, that? yeah I was like, like, what's wrong with Karen black? I, mean, I was like, I mean, she she she's around by like a, a fetish voodoo doll or whatever, but you know, one thing. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's, but the, the, there's the bit there where, uh, you see, you see Gaspar's personality of being kind of a contrarian, but also like standing up for what he believes in. There's the guy that pulls up with the car, throws a cigar out of the car window. And then that's when Gaspar comes up. He's like, excuse me, you threw this in our living room and just pitches the cigar in the back seat, which is kind of a funny line. And the guy's like, oh, oh, oh. and then Gaspar just walks away, <laughs> you know, like, um, so that's kind of okay. And then we get the whole thing. We find out that he's supposed to be like, the protector of everything. And Billy kind of calls him out on his shit. And it doesn't really add up, but he get the idea that there's something else going on in uh, Gaspar's head that we don't know. And even then it's like, but I don't understand. So is he patrolling around constantly then? So he's been bunking up with Billy for at least a day now. Mm. It's like, if you are the protector of the area and like watching for people littering, then you're probably not paying attention to your job because well, he calls himself an ombudsman uh, um, ombudsman whatever anyway it's it's this whole thing of like he's like a consumer advocate like mm. meaning like he always keeps the eye out and he's like if i could affect some change in some positive way which he says earlier right basically he's the guy that's keep he keeps a watch out for everything right um because we you know we find out later that's kind of what he is supposed to be the steward of in a lot of ways but it's not really clear we just see him being kind of like this you know kind of a fiddly old man right and and billy's kind of he's he's still with him but i think he's more like intrigued but also kind of entertained a little bit like um so so yeah that's when we get to later on um the big thing we find out about uh gaspar's biggest fear isn't dying it's just that he feels that when he dies um he's going to leave this world and his memory of his wife uh mina mina is going to go away as well because he's like, we didn't do anything of note that ended up anywhere of like document. And that's always like, you know, that's my biggest fear always is like to like leave this world, like forgotten without any impact whatsoever. Um, that that's why I decided to do a you know podcast. Cause clearly that, you know, that's the, big <laughs> you know, I could do like charity work, but no, I'm just going to record myself talking about the twilight zone. You're welcome. It's history. I don't know. But, uh, but like, that's a very sweet idea of like, if I go, she's gone too. And it's like, and that's when Billy's like, no, you can, he's like, tell me, like, I'll remember her for you. That's a sweet moment. It is a very sweet and endearing moment because like, I think that a lot of people do want to just share their thoughts and, and memories of their past just to leave an impression on somebody else. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard other people's stories and I kind of like let those be, the stories for myself to like share with other people yeah. because I think that's a wonderful thing to do. It's like, you know, it's like fables or, you know, tall tales of other people's lives. It's like, Hey, they're not my stories, but listen to what happened to this dude. He had a way better story than I ever could tell for my own, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you know, um, not to get too far in the weeds here, but like, was it like, uh, like it's been a year plus since my father passed. And like, I, there's a little bit I was trying to get out of him, like him, his growing up and stuff. And he told me some things, but it's like, I know that he left with so much more. I don't know, you know? And so I know him, but 
I'm sure there was things that would have just blown my mind, you know, that he never, because it never occurred to him to tell me, you know, mm-hmm. so that, you know, that, that's kind of, so I can kind of relate to this, you know, and so that, that was a little, little, uh, and he like, keeps on calling him dad too. That's what well, yeah, we no, Billy mention. calls Gaspar dad. Yeah. There's Billy. a whole thing too. Is like, I supposed to call him like uh what was it? Uh, pop pop, which yeah, I don't, I agree with him. I don't like that. I don't like, you know, but also if I just call a random older dude, dad, that feels weird to me too. I mean, it's still slang. It's like, what's up, dad? I, I, you know? Like, I'd be like, sir. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that might be a little bit more respectful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gaspar. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's what we figure out. And then, um, so then we, that's whenever Billy finally admits to Gaspar what he's been holding on to. Which is actually a very effective scene. Uh, well, in terms of um, uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn, Glenn, yeah, Glenn Turman's performance and the audio work. Uh, and it also feels like it's really close to what we just kind of experienced in Nightcrawlers, where he has this survivor's guilt of a thing that happened in Vietnam where he was like, you know, the, the, the other, the enemy had him dead to rights, but somebody jumped out and distracted them and that person got torn to ribbons and the way he tells the story of like seeing this person and blood everywhere while he's in this apartment telling the story and you hear the sound of gunfire while there's a thunderstorm going on it's like it's actually a pretty effective scene yeah i could have done without like the gunfire uh, gu- gunfire sounds i think that we kind of understand already i mean like he's That's very fair. he's very yeah. emotive here too it's like very effective of him selling the scene right yeah. so it's like I, don't, I think it was kind of unnecessary but nonetheless we get that he's traumatized and even while uh gaspar is trying to calm him down he's still like in the moment like he's yeah. still like no dude you don't know like because well, his big billy's big thing is like you know I, I've never been beholden to anybody. And then you find out basically he's like, I don't understand why I'm still here because this person, like they jumped out. I didn't know them. They don't they they don't know if I was a good guy or a bad guy. Like, why am I here still? You know? And like, that's a huge thing to unpack, you know? Right. And fair enough, but he sells it well. And then that's when we find out like, um, you know, uh, we, um, you know, he never got a chance to say thank you to the gentleman, right? That that sacrificed himself, right? So then that's whenever it was the next morning, uh, Billy goes in to see the watch because he sees it on the ground or whatever, like on the table, and Gaspar's on the couch, and then Billy goes to grab the watch and it starts floating around. Sure. You know, and it, then it, it's pretty silly, uh, yeah. looking to me at least. Well, because I mean, again, I don't mind that as, a, as an idea, but there's really been no indication as to why that's happening and it still never really does much i know? would have preferred that it just disappeared and then went back into gaspar's hand yeah it's something like where he, like billy went to go grab and it's like oh where'd it go and then gaspar is like looking at him or whatever that'd have been better but like looking for this like yeah. that that would have been more effective for me just yeah. like it floating around it it was like all wobbly in that so it looked like shit to me yeah but so so the watch floats back to gaspar's hand and he's like oh there's something I know you don't know, but he's like, "Hey, you want to you want to meet me at the graveyard uh, uh, tomorrow? Like in the morning?" I was like, "Why? I I'm dying." <laughs> you know, like that. But he also reveals to him at that point, he's like, "Do you know what Gaspar means?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "He's like he's like it means keeper of the treasure, powder of the palace." He goes into this whole thing about like, and Billy's like, "I don't need this, you know, three wise man bullshit. I have to go to work." And he's like, "Well, you know, meet me tomorrow." Mm-hmm. Right, so that's when we get into this, and we find out there's a bigger thing. So he meets uh, Gaspar at the, the the graveyard where Minna's grave is, 
And so we get this thing where Gaspar's explaining to him that like in 1852, the Pope uh, decreed that they no longer use the Julian calendar, meaning that was a different type of calendar setup and that they would they'd switch to what we now know as, I forget what they call the current calendar setup that we have, but I meant to look this up and I completely forget. For, I, um, I think it's called right. It's yeah, the it, right it, one. Sure. Right. Um, that's what big calendar wants you to think. No, uh, <laughs> So, um, so then what happened was in 1852, October 4th was immediately followed by October 15th, like back to back. Cause they switched the update of the calendar. And at that point, 11 days were gone that. So, but what Gaspar is saying is that 11 days disappeared, but it, that's not accurate. It was 11 days in one hour. And so he's saying that, um, that one hour has been lost to time of bouncing around. And that if that hour is actually allowed to complete itself, it's going to destroy the universe and undo it, which I, I like, I like the idea that there is like this pocket of time that can't be let loose. I think that's a cool idea. It's interesting, but do you feel like this was an effective way to like convey that? Nope, not at all. Yeah. But he's been this protector, Gaspar. He's the Paladin, right? And that's the name of the episode, Paladin of the Lost Hour. And so he has the stopwatch or this watch that has the one hour. It's 11. We said it's 11 o'clock, meaning if it gets to midnight, the universe is going to undo itself. And he, and he says, uh, you know, basically, if I don't pass this along while I'm alive, uh, it's going to start ticking and I need to pass it along. And, you know, I just... <laughs> Like, if you guys want to see a better way this is handled, go watch Demon Knight. Uh, Hell yeah. Ter- yeah. In terms of like the, Demon guard, Knight the, guard, the guardian of the like the universal thing, right? I feel like that's kind of like, you know. Demon Knight's the shit. I yeah. love Demon Knight. And it's, it's like, I need um, William Sanderson to come in and be like, that's mine. Thank you. And just take it and be like, I'm, I'm going to go to some weird place in like the West and fight uh, Billy Zane. Yeah. And it's going to get weird. And, you know, and, and that's a, I mean, that is a perfect way to, to like, make a comparison to something that I feel like was a more effective in the idea that like if the world ends because of your decisions, it's because of your decisions. And, and like, that's what something that's like, uh, Gaspar is trying to, you know, tell Billy, like, cause he's choosing Billy to be the next guardian of this you, watch. You yeah. are, the, you are the next man up. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm about to fa- uh, fade away. And if I'm gone and no one is picked, then it's, you, it's pretty much he's like guilting him too. Yeah, I mean a little bit, but it's also like he's like you've proven to me that you're a good man, you know. And um, so and then like you know, and but Billy's like I don't know about all this. And then so then uh, there's the whole thing too of like, well, when I pass this to you, I do ask for one minute so I can see Minna and you know and and kiss her and and be happy before I'm on the way out the door. And then Billy's like, you know, I can't do that because you just told me this watch undoes all of reality. And he's like, eh, you know what? You're right. You passed the last test. I mean, weird. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, fair enough, right? Like, whatever. Yeah. But then he's like, you know, to make sure that, you know, like, that you understand what's going on and also to kind of value this, this, this torch pass. And knowing the weight of what's going on here. I'm going to give you a minute off of this doomsday clock that I just told you that we shouldn't ever actually open to anything going on. But I'm going to give you one minute. So you can go to the grave of the person that sacrificed himself so you can go talk to him. Which made... Absolutely no sense to me. I'm like, yeah. what? The, what was that supposed to do? I don't know. I, I don't. I Why don't is know. his one minute better than 
the one minute that Gaspar was well, asking. because Gaspar said he doesn't need it. He's already confident, like because he's already like. So yeah. are we at fifty nine? Because if yes. we do, th- if we keep on doing that, eventually, you know, in the fifty nine lifetimes, the world's going to undo itself, right? right. So it's like that's like, so you know Billy later on when he's like, oh, I'm about to die. It's like, hey, here's this watch. It has fifty nine minutes. So don't ask about that one. Just take it because everybody's you know, got like, a story, dude. I mean, yeah. like let's let's put it that way. It's like so. You know, unfortunately, Billy had to deal with something that it was very tragic and he wants to make amends with that for like for that spirit and for himself and maybe God. But it's like it's unnecessary still like, well, yeah, the whole sequence of him staring at like the soldier that was lost. And it's just like, you know, instead of just like it's never shot in a way that you it's implied that they're talking. It's just them just staring at each other. And yeah. then he comes back to Gaspar and Gaspar's already collapsed on the ground. He's like, we talked about all this. And it's like, he admitted to me that like, he didn't even know I was there. So he feels like at least knowing that like his sacrifice meant something like that's kind of like, that's all interesting. They basically like when Billy's like, thank you. And the soldier's like, I had no idea. It's like it absolves both of them. That's a cool idea. I don't mind that. But you don't see them talk. Yeah. And that's why I was like, am I like having a stroke right now? Because I didn't see any of that. Like, maybe I thought I was watching the wrong cut of the episode. Well, yeah, well, we'll get into that. But (laughs) like, if you at least had like a POV shot of Gaspar looking over and you see them like them kind of talking, you don't hear what at least you could buy it. Right. Yeah. But no, it's just them staring. And that's that. And then, like, then when Billy comes over and admits what's going on, and he's like, "Oh, Gaspar, or whatever." He's like, "You're already leaving." And then, like, you know, Gaspar opens his eye, and he's like, "You know, he's like, oh, I'm still here." And there is a ni- <laughs> there's a nice line there where he's like, basically, he's like, you know, can I remember you to my wife? And Billy is like, yeah, you know, like that's kind of a sweet, mo- like, there's a sweet moment. Then Gaspar passes, and now Billy is the the paladin of the lost fifty nine minutes or whatever. And, um, yeah. And then Billy gets the watch and Gaspar passes and that's it. And we uh, like, we get a poll out of them just sitting in the graveyard and him being like sad that, you know, Gaspar's gone. And we get our, you know, we get our outro, uh, which narration doesn't make a lick of sense, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm beginning to question all the narration <laughs> in the 80s <laughs> series. It's like, it almost feels like at times where you remember, like there was that big thing there where people would get like the refrigerator magnets of like different words. And you just put it on there and someone come over and be like, I'm making a poll. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of where we're at sometimes. Oh, I, I like, used to have fun with that over at friends' yeah, houses. <laughs> yeah. Like I just feel like Charles Aidsman, his his narration, like he has a good rich voice. Mm-hmm. But some of us I'm like, what Who's, the what the who hell is, who is writing it? Like uh, what the hell are you saying right now? Anyway, no, but uh, Harlan Ellison wrote the outro too. I did whatever. Anyway, but so yeah, like the idea of this lost hour being like someone has to make sure it never unwinds, that's a cool idea. Um and when I think I teased last week of like, this episode isn't what I remember it was, I thought as a kid, and this is how I misremembered this so bad, is that I thought this was like a war veteran carrying this watch around that the one hour he held was like this hour of battle that like, like uh, he somehow kept it in that to let it even unwind for a bit would uh, to let that battle unfold again and like some of the horrors of war. Cause I remember, I clearly, I remember the veteran and I remember the fog when I was a kid, but it was this whole thing of like, what if this was like one of the darkest hours of like Pearl Harbor and this guy's been carrying this hour with him of like, I know what was lost, but somehow I've held it together that it should not be allowed in the world. That why is like my seven year old self, I had a way cooler idea for this episode than what we saw. Well, I think that you definitely uh, combined the two storylines of uh, what the hell was that other one? Uh, a kind of stopwatch. 
Well, no, not the other war. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it feels like, from what you're saying, that you combine the two storylines together of this and that. Yeah. And and I, I feel like there's a lot more to your story that feels <laughs> compelling than what was here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to put I'll put it out there. I did not like this. I had a feeling you didn't. I did not um, so like it at all. I will say that um, there are some rich tones to some of the dialogue and the character beats that... Mm. I did like just from a, you know, back and forth. And then also too, there is a realization here that at least this iteration of the twilight zone, much like the one from the sixties, I mean, even the new one too, they're not shying away from the trauma of war and the trauma of people dealing with things like, so that I all appreciate. Um, I really have, I don't understand the idea of this lost hour because there's nothing, like, okay, great, you can't unwind. But then you're opening it up for a minute, and it's like, that doesn't explain anything. And none of it explains anything. Um, like, you know, the fact that we find out that Billy is worthy and a good guy and should be the caretaker, I'm okay with that too. It's just, there's just for being like the longer the two segments by, a fair amount, you had a much richer um, area in which to play in and tell me a much more developed story um, that I could have given a shit about. And you just didn't quite thread the needle on a lot of the, the, the different ideas. Like, it's almost like, um, I don't know, like uh, you, you hear an album from a band. You're like, you know what? One or two of the songs are cool, but the rest of this I don't get. I've been, yeah, I've got, yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. And there is some, there is some things going on in this. And I'm like, this is a very interesting type of story. Um, I think that the script kind of fell, like it, it fell it failed the rest of the storyline. Yeah. And like, maybe, maybe if I, if I see the short story and read it, I'm hoping that it's going to be a little bit better than this. And it explain how- a little bit of what more is going on. Like, and that's so, um, yeah. Do you have any other notes? I'll get into some of the trivia here. Uh, some of the commentary from Harlan Ellison. This, this is where it gets wild. Well, like, one yeah. of the things I, uh, let me point yeah, this yeah. out to you. Let's put you in the position of Billy. Would you ask about benefits at the very least? I mean, like, how would you react to this? Like, what actually is his job now? I'd be like, wait, wait, second. Like, I'd be like, hey, sir, um, one, the watch floats cool, whatever, great. I could put like a Ritz cracker on and have it come over to me sometimes as a party. You can trip. get your ass whooped yeah. by some yeah. gang yeah. members. Like, and- I'll just put like a pizza roll and be like, here, watch this. Like, once they're cooled, it's like, ah, watch, come back. Yeah, that's, which, I mean, worth it. But also... Um, like the whole thing is like uh, the beginning, whenever, um, when Gaspar called, I was like, protect me. And then Billy did come over eventually, but it was also implied that there was like this greater power that was protecting him. Cause especially if like, he's like this, like long line of, you know, you know, suffering people for the greater good. There should be at least like some type of like baseline. Yeah. Some fringe like, benefits yeah. here. Come on. Like, well, me not even that. Like, what if we would have found out that, like, when he talks about his wife passing, it wasn't 40 years, it was 100 years ago. And, like, he's had this, like, extended lifespan because he is the one being the, the, the carrier, the burden of this. And it's like, you know. And I, I thought like, maybe that might have been a thing, too. And this graveyard looks pretty old for what the way they fashioned it. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's been dead for a, a, a hot minute. Maybe she was friends with Charity. We don't know. Perhaps. And it's, <laughs> I, I'm like, I just don't know what's in it for billy so for yeah. billy to meet like, this dude he's also what, gonna be like i'm working second shift and i have an efficiency department now you, now you're giving me the weight of the universe yeah like oops and I, like I, how long would you say that they've known each other 48 hours 72 hours I mean, who knows yeah. it's like 
for Billy to be like, yeah, this old dude's got it together. Like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know, at, least, at least in terms of Demon Knight, uh, Jada Pickensmith saw what happened. Yeah, saw you know, demons. She coming saw literally out of the what's ground. going on. I was like, oh shit. Oh, uh, William Sanders is right. It's not yeah. Billy Billy Zane punched through a sheriff's head. <laughs> yeah, which is bad. <laughs> you know, she saw uh, Charles Fleischman uh, full of full of dynamite or whatever happened. Yeah, uh, so at least she saw like what actually is going on. You know, like with with Billy, he's like, oh man, he's like, oh, I've learned my lesson. Never let an old person near my apartment ever again. It's like know? I saw and, some shit in in Nam and. I don't know if I really believe this dude. That's yeah. what I would have been like. like also, he never liked Karen Black. I don't know how I feel. No, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I just <laughs> there was something here. It just didn't quite come across. And I don't know if it was the script, but I kind of I, I think it does fall at the 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 feet of Harlan Ellison a little bit. He did win awards for the story and this episode, which is weird. Okay, um, and <laughs> I don't know, but um, so. Uh, so during he, he, like his commentary on this, which I on on the um, the DVD set that uh, Terry and I are both watching this off of, I, I asked Terry like when we start doing this, I'm like, let me listen to the commentary so I can bring it to him, so he, you know, thank you, sir. He, he hears <laughs> it, he hears it like you guys do, which I think is fun. Um, so when this was being like worked on, Harlan Ellison actually wrote this as a teleplay and a short story at the same time. He wanted Glenn Turman to be like in this immediately. He wrote this for him. And so what happened was during the casting, the casting uh, director kept like waffling back and forth about having Lynn Terman in this. So he says during his commentary track that he actually went down to the casting director's office, broke in and threatened to rip this guy apart. He said something about like ripping his gonads out and shoving it down his throat. (laughs) Um, if he didn't cast Lynn Terman and then, and then the guy's like, fine, fine, fine. And then the next thing about Harlan Ellison was like, yeah, I literally, I assaulted him. Like, it was like, okay. So the thing is the guy actually acquiesced in casting Lynn Terman, but also asked CBS and, uh, Phil DeGuerre to hire a bodyguard to keep him around away. So that way the casting director had a bodyguard full time to keep Harlan Ellison away from him. <laughs> and when Harlan Ellison tells the story, he was like, he's cackling. He's like, I was like 50 at the time and I'm a small guy. Like, he was, oh my God. Like, like this is the kind of guy that like, I just, he sounds like terrifying at moments, but I would love to have a drink with him. You know, like this, this guy. So like the way he's talking, you're like, ah, oh, you know, I like this guy, but you literally like assaulted somebody for casting. So that's the first thing. Second thing is whenever he gave a list of people that he wanted to play uh, the part of Gaspar, he actually named a couple of different other people that either weren't available or a little too old. A couple of them were older Twilight Zone mainstays. I forget the names off the top of my head now, but he had mentioned a couple. But they're like, well, what about like, – someone's like, we got Danny Kaye coming in. He was excited for Danny Kaye because he's like, oh, I remember him. He's wonderful. And so what happened, though, is uh, during the initial script reading with um, the uh, the director, uh, Mr. Smithy, that's not his name, uh, Kate's Katz. Um, uh, his name, uh, uh, Gilbert Katz. He was so like, just, he kept, um, defaulting to K uh, as opposed to actually directing him during like some of the initial table readings. So, uh, Harlan Ellison was then listening and he was like, Hey, Danny, can you hit this line differently? And then Danny gave him like the stink eye and left the room. And then, uh, the director came back and was like, we, you know, he doesn't feel comfortable with you in the room. <laughs> yeah. Right. So little did he know, he's like, well, I was about to rip this other guy's head off. But anyway, so, so what happened is when they actually doing all the shots, the big thing, if you notice there, like, uh, and Harlan Ellison mentions repeatedly during this, he's like, you don't see too many master 
shots where it is both um, Kay and, and Terman in the same shot together talking. It's a lot of close-ups because Kay would actually just flatline his readings. And it, what would happen is because of that, that would they'd force to, to to shoot a close up, and that's when he would come alive and actually give like his emotive readings. Basically, he was robbing Terman of like like screen time. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So so Harlan Ellison was like, I was heartbroken. He was like, everyone's like, what was it like with him? And he was like, oh, the wonderful, you know, wonderful entertainer, not great here. So he was basically forcing the the direction, right? So then what happened is after Cates uh, turned in his. Uh, cut of the episode, Harlan Ellison's like, this is garbage and unlike basically it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So at the time, Phil DeGuerre was out. I think he was sick. Um, uh, a couple other people that were part of the show were out like for various reasons. It was crunch time. Harlan Ellison says he spent three weeks in the editing bay oh my cutting God. this together. Three weeks? And he was like, he's like, I, he's like, I'm the story consultant. He's like, I should, he's like, but nobody else was there. So he's like, so I did it. So he was pissed. Like and he was like rightfully so. If it's yeah. taking that long to edit something, yeah. either you're not a, for TV, you, right? You know, like because he felt like the coverage that Case brought him was garbage. That's why you know his name. He, he was like he, he says in the commentary. He's like, this is my statement, not um, not Twilight Zone, not CBS. He named all the people. He was like. He was like, Kate's is a garbage director. <laughs> like he went on, he just like was very so straightforward. So I'm gonna say that. Um, not the whole thing is like, I feel like he, he was over the moon about like the story and he talked about how much he loved writing this. And he felt like there was these moments of like, when you write something, you have your peaks and valleys. And he's like, he's like, if this is the last good thing I wrote, I th- I'm hoping he's talking about the story. Not the episode. <laughs> he's like, I'd be happy. Cause he's like, he's like, I've written, like he mentioned the number of books. He's like, you know, sometimes you have your peaks and valleys and he's like, you know, some things are better than others, which is fair. Right. But yeah, he was like, he really liked the story and I don't know how much of it got lost because it wasn't shot right. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, but I also like, he said something about, he's like, he's like, I'm a fairly, I'm, um, I'm a fairly elitist dude is what he said, literally. And he talked about how, like, uh, he's like, I'm pretty down to earth, but until you, like, until you come to me for my stories, he's like, then I feel like I'm like, there's only a handful of people could tell me that I did something wrong, which I think is also fair too. Like, oh but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was listening to this commentary track was like, I was starting to listen to him like, yeah, whatever I had in the background, had my headphones on. I'm like, Oh wait, you assaulted somebody. Oh wait, like I started taking notes. We definitely have something to talk about. Yeah. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just like uh, there's a, there was a lot more behind the scenes to find out that this thing was like problems from the jump, and you could tell that um, Harlan Ellison cared about the story, and he actually was, was speaking very glowingly of his time on the Twilight Zone with everybody saying, "You, everybody fought." Like they were like family and he's like, but he's like, it was rare for you to take a moment to stand back and be like, we're in the middle of something really cool. And I thought that was great that he was like, I loved my time, even though he just told a story about physically assaulting somebody and breaking into an office, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, Harlan Ellison, really interesting guy. And I feel bad that I'm kind of discovering him like well after the fact. Um, but yeah, I don't think the story worked, but I do like the idea that there was um, some assault, and then his frustration with Danny Kaye as an actor and his frustration with uh, was a Phil Cates as a director that there's a lot more to think about when you watch this a second time. And you can definitely time. see that 
in the like what we've like what was presented to the audience like there was there were certain things that just did not work yeah. in this. and i'm glad that you have that insight to share with oh, our audience also the bit too whenever gaspar picks up the cigar and whips it in the back of the car uh ellison starts cackling he's like i did that like so he put that in the script because he actually did that to somebody picked oh. up a cigar just whipped it in the back of the car good on him yeah yeah he was like you, i can't does, tell you how he, many times i'd like to do oh, that he was cackling talking he's like yeah i did that it was amazing because he's like the guy was reaching back to save his fine rich corinthian leather and all the cars were backed up honking at him he's like, <laughs> like um, yeah that's that's amazing uh, i applaud that dude yeah. um i i jeez I'd love to do that every day. Don't yeah. let her. Yeah, it's, it's our living letter. room. It's our living room. Um, but, but yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's the notes I had from that. Anything else before we get to the twist? Nah, dude. I don't have anything yeah. else. Yeah. The title was called "Paladin in the Lost Hour." We saw a watch in the first minute or two. Um, I don't know. Like with the twist rating, we give it one being we see it from a mile away, and a five blows our minds. Um, I, I guess because of my own like broken way of remembering it, I was expecting something completely different, which doesn't mean that that's fair to what the episode was. I'm going to give it a two because I didn't realize it was like a lost hour to eternity versus like something that was more like specific to Gaspar and Billy. I'm going to give it a three because I had no idea what was going to happen. Okay, fair enough. Like obviously, I, I can't gauge it, so it's like. The the title was very confusing to me. I didn't. I actually, until a moment ago, I didn't know what the hell a paladin was. <laughs> well, I mean, just, I mean, if you want, you know, I, I could show you paladins in World of Warcraft, which are no, different. I, okay. I, I understand in in gaming what a paladin oh, is, kind oh. of, but like the, like the actual like correct term of what a paladin is, and or uh, whatever. I don't even know if that's even correct. I just know that for me, are you wearing uh, like heavy plate armor and you're swinging a large sword or maybe like, you know, a morning star. I'm down for that. That's fine. And then you're like, I have God on my side. You know, like, that's fine. You know, I would have been more excited if at the end, Danny, Danny K would have actually showed up. You remember in, um, uh, what was it? Last crusade, whenever Dia Jones finds the, the room with all the different grails, mm -hmm. he had this, that guy just sitting there. Yeah. That's what I was expecting for the pal of lost hour. I want him to be like, Choose wisely. Just don't pick the Slurpee cup. It's fine. Here you go. Here's the watch. <laughs> yeah, the big know. gulp cup. It's sitting over there. <laughs> <laughs> he chose poorly. It's like that, the guy before you chose the one hat that could hold the two beers on top of its head. That's not, you know. <laughs> That's what it needs. I want to see that now. Um, I was expecting maybe a little bit of finding out that maybe he had been like this lost. Like, like, what well, I don't know, like an actual paladin that has served forever. You know, kind of, again, like Demonite, we find out that, like, how long was, um, you know, the main character living for, like, he saw, like, World War One, World War Two, or whatever. Like, right, you know, we had, had those flashbacks. Yeah, and like Sanderson showed that he was been through some shit, you know, so it's like, I don't know. Like maybe if there's a way to on. tell this story better. I yeah, that's basically that's what we're getting to. There's a way to tell the story better and convey. This could have still been an interesting update if you did something. I think this is one that can come back and revisit and make it cooler. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so again, yeah. you know, so three only because I was so damn confused the entire time and I didn't know where the hell it was going to go. That's that's a not very positive three. I don't no, know. it's not a positive three. <laughs> It's a backwards three because yeah, I didn't know where three. the hell it's, I was going. It's a going. cursive E is what it is. No, uh, so, 
So yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion about Paladin the Lost Hour. Uh, before we get to talking about what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on uh, Strange Highways on Facebook. Uh, you guys can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, uh, let other people know. Um, again, a lot of these segments, um, it's not the show isn't available for streaming. That's going to be the challenge for the next couple of years unless they do that, which would be great. Uh, like Paramount Plus, come on, you kind of own this. Let's get it out there, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's available. You could Google a lot of it. You can find these things. So please, if you enjoy the conversation, enjoy watching along, that'd be great. And let more people know. The more the merrier. It's a lot of fun. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? We are also on Instagram. So uh, maybe if you're not a fan of Facebook and uh, you know all, everything that's going on over there and the nefarious things that they have committed lately, uh, go uh, go to their sister company. I was going to say also owned by, like, wait, Instagram's <laughs> go also to their owned sister by sister company. Uh, yeah. uh, you know. Instagram, yeah. And just do that. And, like, uh, feel less guilty for it's just like it's like it's like <laughs> oh I don't buy Chick Fil A unless it's a Tuesday. Other, like because you know the prices are cheaper. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. no, like yeah. So check us out on on that social platform as well. Uh, we're having some fun over there. Uh, soon I will be posting a picture of. Paul's new shirt that he's I wearing to, tonight. I meant to do that. I was going to post it as part of, because we mentioned it last week. I was going to include it during the photos for Teacher's Aid. So yeah. uh, it's a cool shirt. And I'm I super excited like, he's yeah. wearing it. Uh, I was pretty gleeful when I saw him, when I w- walked into his office today. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah, that dude and is I, wearing I, the shirt. I bought him. And nothing else. So hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, that's how you guys can find us again. If you enjoy the conversation, let other people know. And what are we doing next? And now, Mr. Serling. So um, I've uh, I've uh, forced Terry into taking the week off because it is going to be Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, the holidays. And I guess I'm going to open a watch for a minute and go look at a veteran, and then you're not going to hear what I'm saying to them. But I thank them for their service. Um, yeah. So we're going to take the week off. But when we when we come back, though, we're getting into uh, uh, season one, episode eight, section A, segment A, act break. Um, but don't know what this is. This is going to be one I've never seen before. We're I mean, the further we go along, the less I've known, but this, I don't I have no idea what this segment is. So I, I can't speak to any of it yet. Um, you better tune in people. I know, I know Morgan Freeman's in the next episode. I don't know if he's in the segment though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And, um, uh, we're sorry about the break, but you know, we got, a we got yeah. things going on. We got yeah, things in the, the pot. It's the holiday. Like, can I, like, it's okay. Right. Can we just like, like, uh, grill out and just kind of catch up on your other podcast? Yeah. Every, too. yeah go, everybody, go listen to Beyond the Bastards. Go listen to other things. Go check out invasion of in, the podcast. Yeah. We're talking about John Carpenter's the thing this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Brother. Um, yeah. So it's there's plenty of awesome. other content. Uh, I go, can't wait to listen to that. Yeah. Go support podcasts. Uh, go have a good holiday weekend. Go eat a bunch of processed meats if you want to. If not, I respect that too. Uh, but yeah, it, it's the beginning of summer, you know, like, um, just enjoy. And, um, and if some watch floats at you, uh, I don't know, maybe I like ask a lot of questions before you take ownership of it. Unless there's a little tiny uh, pizza roll on it, then that's a good time. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, and don't let her.
They always ask the same dumb question. Have you read all those books? <laughs> As if it was some kind of weird perversion, like kissing a goldfish or something. 